right. Welcome to Cinema Around the Corner. My name is Ben Wager, along with my co-host, Don Gibson. Hey there. We are doing a podcast about films that we have liked in the distant past, the recent past, the somewhat recent past, basically the past. Currently in our series, we're looking at films of best nominated pictures of the Oscars and Golden Globes, but that did not win in the category. And we are up to 1986 award season, and we're looking at two films that are very different. And we're going to open up uh, with introducing Runaway Train. Go ahead, Don. Runaway Train. Like, I've actually seen all the other nominees. And, and uh, so Cocoon was in there and Chrissy's Honor. One thing that was really interesting about looking for films to to do our podcast on this round is that there there a lot of them are highly inaccessible. Cocoon you can't find anywhere. Prince's Honor you can't find anywhere. And so we were like trying to navigate all this. But you know I, I knew those films. But there was this one film that I knew about but I never saw, and it's called Runaway Train. And it was this film that you know came out and I didn't really think about it, notice it. But then I thought, well, this is a really interesting thing for me to to watch for this uh, for this podcast because I was you know intrigued because it's actually directed by a Russian that I didn't know and I, I'm actually really into Russian filmmakers generally because they have you know the the dark soul that they expose often in their films and so this guy's name is Andre uh, uh, Konchalovsky and I learned, read about him that he actually worked with Andre Tarkovsky who is one of the great Russian filmmakers that I you know in very art films they're not Highly marketable, but they're pretty fascinating. And after this film, this guy, uh, Konchalovsky, he made a film, Tango and Cash, that had uh, Sylvester Stallone and somebody else in it. And so I was like, this is- He actually got fired. Uh, he got he got fired on that film. Oh, Tango I didn't read Cash. that. <laughs> Tango and Cash, he, yeah, he didn't make it through well, that. He got, he got I, fired. No, well, he started there. And so, <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so then John Voight's in it. You know, and John Voight was nominated for Best Actor, uh, both Golden Globes and the um, uh, Oscars. And, you know, this is the guy that was in Midnight Cowboy and Deliverance. And I, I'm a big fan of Deliverance, Coming Home. And then those are really interesting films. And then later on, he was in all these huge market films, Mission Impossible, Anaconda, National Treasure. And so he's actually, you know, a very interesting person, you know, in Hollywood. And he's, he's a very interesting actor. And he's also the father of a national treasure. <laughs> is she? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. He has the relationship that has been highly publicized with uh, the 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 better half, I guess, of of Brangelina, and um, and I think they're not still not talking, but you know, yeah. So the, he's a very well known guy, and he's very you know lot lot going on with this guy. And it's like okay, he's in it, Russian director, and then you know. Uh, there's a couple of other interesting people in it, Eric Roberts. And I'm like, I know Eric Roberts. And, you know, but I couldn't figure out why. Then I looked him up and he, he was nominated actually for a film he made in the late 70s, I think, called King of the Gypsies. But he's actually been in all these essentially B movies. He's got 600 film and TV credits. This guy is a hard working man. Not to say that his artistry really shines through in his filmmaking. Um, so he's in it. And then there's another uh, actor in it, uh, Rebecca De Mornay, and she broke through with Risky Business. And then she did a number of like pretty well-known Hollywood films like Backdraft and The Hand of Rock the Cradle. So I'm thinking, okay, this is an interesting film. And so the film, you know, is the story of uh, a guy that's been incarcerated for years in a maximum security prison in Alaska. 
and uh, he's been such a difficult prisoner for so many years. They've actually welded welded him into his cell. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting premise, and you know, it's obviously a little bit abstract. And uh, so this is the be- the beginning of the film. He's been welded in the cell, and then finally, through many you know uh, disputes through his lawyer, he has to be taken out of his. That's unconstitutional. It's violating his human rights. So he's released, and. Uh, and then he, he gets out in the, back into the prison population and he's pretty belligerent about the situation that he's been put through. And, you know, I, it, this, so the interesting thing about this film also, the other part I didn't mention, is this is actually based on a, on a Akira Kurosawa film. So he's, one, he's the great Japanese director of the 40s through the 70s. And there's a project that he was really interested in doing of basically prisoners, you know, hardened prisoners, escaping from a jail, getting onto a train, and then the train turns into a runaway train. And there's this, a lot of, uh, you know, philosophical aspects to what it means to be a prisoner escaping and going through this vast wilderness, which is Alaska, et cetera. So there's all this sort of like, you know, philosophical aspects to it. And it was, it was something he really wanted to do, but never did. And so this is the project. And so the concept sounded pretty interesting to me and had heard about it and, very well reviewed at the time, um, you know, Roger Ebert, you know, the reviewer of the day, you know, gave it uh, four to four stars and thought it was a marvelous film and John Voight was amazing and there's so many great aspects to it. But the truth is, this is a B movie. This is just a lot of people screaming and yelling. Like th- th- when they escape the jail, so he and Eric Roberts escape jail together and they go through the sewer system. And basically the same setup was done in Shawshank Redemption so much better like the escape from the jail was so well and it's you know going down and this whole you know here it was just like they just kind of like get open up open a manhole and then just wander out a sewer pipe and it wasn't it wasn't ripping it wasn't it wasn't you know i I wasn't really like or are they going to make it there was no feeling of excitement or intensity they get out of that they wander through you know the alaskan you know winter and they're you know it's sort of desperate they're looking pretty cold for a while but then they come to a train yard and then they get onto this train uh, they just kind of jump onto a train and then they're on it and then very shortly afterwards the the conductor has a heart attack and then falls off the train and now now they're on the runaway train so you know maybe philosophically and maybe like as a concept it's interesting but then you're watching this it's like what is going on and now they're on this runaway train and now they can't get off the runaway train. And then we have the beautiful damsel in distress who's got a really hard edge to her, Rebecca de Mornay, and she'd fallen asleep on the train and then she wakes up and then she's sort of threatened by these guys, but she talks back pretty tough. And now these three people are on the runaway train and, uh, you know, basically kind of going off into oblivion because they can't stop the runaway train. And there's some aspects that are okay, but, uh, there's a point you're like, what is what you're, you're wondering, why am I watching this film? It, uh, it does not hold up very well. There's no doubt about that. It's funny too, because it's, 
you know, even if looking at it, there's a lot of people who think like this was an understated masterpiece and it was at, for its time, it was a very edgy movie. It was, it was filmed in, in kind of an edgy way. They, they wanted the style to be pseudo documentary with some of the camera angles and the, the reality of how they shot, shot the film of the train going down the tracks and these different angles. And it, you know, I, I kind of feel, and you didn't talk about this yet, but you know, I kind of feel like it was cursed from the start, just from the production company that ended up making the film, this Canon film company that um, these two Israeli guys, uh, Globus, Golan, Globus, I think were the name of the two guys. And they were, they came out of this like soft core B movie genre that they started in like in the late seventies. And so this film was coming out of their production system. And it just kind of, you know, they just, they, they picked up a lot of movies like they, you know, Superman four and, you know, a lot of sequels of just movies that weren't that great in the first place. And so they had like, you know, they have a whole catalog of just, you know, movies that just never are expected to do well. And this movie for some reason kind of landed on their lap and uh, you know, it had the potential to be like a phenomenal kind of opportunity here. I mean, it was a decent script that they had great people attached to it. And it, they just shot it. It just felt like one of their other movies. It was like this kind of B low level movie. And, you know, it, it felt kind of like, you know, Pelham one, two, three with speed on a train. And it's just like a whole bunch of jumbled kind of concepts that they kind of put together. And it just, you're right. I didn't feel like it worked that well either. I mean, maybe at the time, there was, but it was a box office. It, it failed too. I mean, it, it, I think it was budgeted yeah. at 9 million and only made 7 million. And it just, it nobody just, nobody figured out what it was about and i agree man it just it didn't i was just waiting for it to end too because it, it just you know there were some very long repetitive shots of the train going through the snow over and over again and uh and then there was the crazed warden who had to get this guy back and it was just a very stereotypical script writing that just didn't really you know it just it felt like something out of the, like the cheesy 70 films that uh you know, were low budget and shot and it, that way. It's interesting you compare it to, to Pelham One Two Three because that is a very well constructed film, and in many ways, there's a you know we're stuck on a train that's you know going too fast, and we're wondering how it's going to end. Um, but the characters are really interesting. You know, the Robert Shaw leader of what they're doing, and there's so many interesting interactions between the people that are hijacking and then the people on the train, there's so many interesting stories. I mean, they, they remade that film twice and both versions are not the best, but the original, which is pretty close, it's, it's before this, but it's pretty close to this era. And that film is compelling and exciting. And they've got, as you said, all these shots, you know, and, and there's some nice shots of the train going through the snow and the, and the you know, the hinterland of Alaska and all that, but it doesn't carry it. And that, you know, one of the final shots is of, you know, John Voight uh, standing atop the train with his arms out and it's, you know, going at 100 miles an hour into a blizzard. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand why he's doing that. I don't, there's no point. You know, he says there's, you know, there's this whole thing is philosophical. So it's got a really, I mean, and I love abstract films that are, you know, not necessarily mainstream where we're all satisfied by, you know, the outcome of the characters, et cetera. But he, and he says stuff about, you know, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose the game, it's the same thing. And so that's an interesting idea, but then they don't develop it. And the, the amount of screaming and yelling in this about, <laughs> you know, about they're gonna cross a bridge and it's gonna blow up or they're going too fast and all this stuff. 
it's not, it's just developed like in, it's like middle school students made the script. Like, let's do this. It's like, yeah, it's, it's almost, the, you know, there not, are scenes. I agree, man. There are scenes in this film, especially a lot of the control room scenes that they had for this, where they, you know, cause yeah. basically it's this, it's shot in two scenes. There's the train and the people on the train and then there's people in the control room and the control room is just, the characters are just so superficial and farcical in nature and, and just, uh, yeah, and it's just so predictable, predictable and there there's no depth and it's just it's almost filler for for what they think is happening on the train and and they're flipping back and forth between these and it's just there are there are some good interactions between um eric roberts character and john Voigt's character and even uh rebecca de mornay's characters but the stuff that's happening in the control room with with the development of those characters it's just oh it's just painful to watch it's just so poorly written and acted and and just you know, it just it just had that kind of disaster movie, low budget. We're putting everything on the train, and this is just something we have to have in the movie, you know. Yeah, and so you know, Ben and I have been talking about you know where we should go with our podcast, and one thing that I, I I'm interested in is films that were celebrated at the time, and then we look back and we're like, what's that? And so for me, this is a great example of that. So it was celebrated, and lots of nominations. Roger Ebert, like he compared this film to African Queen, Stagecoach, and Seven Samurai. I mean, these are all beautifully made films and they're all like, it's a journey and, you know, flawed characters, et cetera. So I understand why I made the comparison, but the film is just, it's just schlock. Anyway, so this is a great example of a film that was celebrating the day and it's got like, I don't know what, 90% Rotten Tomatoes, loads of solid reviews from the day. Variety is very positive about it. Uh, Variety actually said, wrenchingly intense and brutally powerful. I mean, I don't even know what that means. Like, what are they talking about? So this is a film that I think that had some, you know, strength in the day, but when you look back at it, you're like, okay. We did talk about looking at films that are, you know, similar in this outcome, but here's the problem, Don. I hated watching this film and I don't want to go through that process again with a bunch of films that were supposedly great. And then I don't, I don't, I didn't enjoy watching this film. And I, I don't, I, I think what you're basically thinking about is a real masochistic process here of going back and looking at, at, you know, crappy films that were oversold at the time. And I don't want to go through that process, Don. I'm not sure that that's, maybe we need to rethink fair. that after watching this film. Comment, ben. I, I would like to do actually the opposite. I would like to do films that were not recognized in the day. And now we look at them and say, my God, that was a great film. Yeah, so, that would de definitely, that would be more preferable than having to go through this process again. Because yeah, this, was not, this was not a pleasurable experience. And so the other concept that Ben and I have talked about is this idea of films that are based on plays or other, I guess plays was our main thing, but you know, other, you know, with potentially novels or whatever. And I think this next film, leads well into that idea. I thought it was originally based on a play and then I found out later, no, it wasn't. It was based on a novel yeah. and then they did a Broadway show, but it, to me, it felt very much like it was based on a play. All right, and I think that's a very good opening. So we'll go ahead and introduce that film. Uh, I My selection for the 1986 award season was Kiss of the Spider Woman, uh, a film adapted by a, uh, a book of the same name, written by uh, Manuel Puig 
and uh, the screen, but it was the screenwriter was uh, Leonard Schrader, um, and it was directed by Hector Babenko, and it was starred uh, William Hurt, Ra Raul Julia, and um, Sonia Braga. Uh, it's a, a beautiful film. I, I felt it. It's it's the storyline is basically quite simple. It's um, about two inmates in a in a prison in uh, in Latin America, and uh, I think around the seven the seventies during the a lot of the dic dictator regimes of Latin America. The, the film originally was in based in Argentina. Uh, the move the book is based in Argentina, um, but they they due to the political situations, it was actually set in Brazil and shot in Sao Paulo. And uh, it's, the story is basically about a uh, two inmates sharing a cell. One is a political prisoner who has been uh, arrested, tortured by the prisoners to get more information about the, the, the movement that is against the government. And the other prisoner is a uh, openly homosexual man who uh, had sex with an, you know, an underaged uh, uh, man. in or a boy, I mean, it seems to have been represented as a teenager and uh, and then was tr tried and, and found guilty and put in jail. And so m much of the movie is based on the interaction of these two very different men uh, that have to share this cell. And, and we step into the film in a time when it looks like they've already kind of established themselves as as friends in a relationship um, in the in the in the cell. And so. And then the other interesting part of the movie is uh, the character played by uh, William Hurt, his name is Molina. He is uh, often telling a story about a movie, a German movie that he saw. Um, and then he's telling the plot of this movie to um, Valent, is it Valentin? The, um, the other inmate played by Raul Julia. Is that his name? I yeah. think found. And he uh, is often in recovering from the torture of, uh, by the, the prison. Uh, and so he's in, you know, he's usually sick or in pain or, uh, and so to kind of ease this, Molina tells the story of this. It's like a German propaganda love story film from, from the Nazi era. And, and, he, and he's telling the story. And as he's telling the story, the movie is actually being shown. So it's a movie within a movie. And you're seeing, you know, this kind of German style film uh, with, the, with the actors from the, you know, would be, I guess, the 30s at that time. And, and, it's, and it's, it's actually beautifully shot. I think it's very nice how they did it. They, they shot it in Sao Paulo, the actual, they created the whole thing. And uh, they wanted to shoot it in Paris, but the, the deal fell through. And then they were looking at Argentina, but they couldn't even afford that. The production of this uh, movie had a lot of obstacles in it. And um, there, you know, it took much longer than they wanted. The post-production took uh, over a year to complete. But I felt that the movie is very strong. The relationship between William Hurt's character, Molina, and Raul Julia's Valentin is very tender and very complicated and it evolves throughout the the film and there's all these uh sub plots that you you start to kind of get clued in on and what's happening within the prison and what's happening with the the, the inmates and then also what's happening um around that time uh outside the prison and so you're seeing all of these kind of inter intricate play scenes within a play almost happening within the film 
and it's very well done. The acting is amazing. The relationship between the actors and and the and the way that they uh, produce the characters that they they are in this film are are very authentic. And, and it was hard because William Hurt playing a very feminine gay man. He's a very masculine, big kind of buff guy, and he he was able to kind of take that role and you kind of it didn't start right away but you kind of fell into him being this person and he did a very good job and he did win the uh, oscar for best actor for this for this role and raul julia um who lost a lot of weight to play this and uh you know he had that intensity of that political um you know that uh that political prisoner that that revolutionary kind of vibe, and you know, he could really flip on the intensity in, in different parts of the uh, of the film. And it, I felt that really carried the film was that 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 intricate relationship between these two characters. And a lot of things are happening, and I don't want to go into a lot of details if, details if you haven't seen the film because it does involve some spoilers and things of that nature. But um, the making of the film too is very interesting. I felt my understanding of William Hurt as an actor is he's a very difficult person to work with. And, and that was starting to kind of develop in, in this film. And apparently his relationship with Hector Babenko was very difficult. They, uh, Babenko really pushed him, but also Hurt was just a very demanding actor with Raul and with the director. And they, there was a language problem because Babenko didn't really speak English, but he's directing in English. Uh, and he had to use his assistant director a lot. And by the end of the film, the deterioration of that relationship was that those two weren't even talking to each other. But it turns out that that was a very strong uh, tool that uh, William Hurt and his character was able to kind of use in it. And it brought a, another level in, into the acting. And some people thought that that was actually a good thing. Yeah, I, I think like this is I think this is the definitive role of Bill Hurt's career. So like he'd done we, we, we talked about Big Chill, you know, three or four episodes ago. And, and so he'd been in altered states and, and been chilling a couple other things, but this is like, you know, Phil, you know, obviously a, an actor taking a risk and doing something and uh, you know, portrayal of uh, the gay population. There was this big, you know, it was all very political, et cetera. And lots of people would say, of course, now, you know, why was this role given to Bill Hurt when this really should have been given to somebody that is from you know the gay population and but and you know maybe obviously also Latino and maybe also Latino and Latino because yeah, clearly this is set as you said in in, in South America and so that, so there's that when you look at it there's flaws in terms of you know how you know they cast it etc but that said you know he does a very good job I agree he he definitely creates a character that we. You know, it, it's a it's a very troubled person that lives in a in a you know a repressive culture, and you know the metaphoric connection he has with the political prisoner is very similar. Like he's he's oppressed because he's he's homosexual. That's why he's oppressed. And this other guy is more overtly oppressed because he's actually directly responding to the government, which were oppressed you know politically. But every time we see William Hurt go in, and he's sort of treated as a bit of a spy, they're trying to manipulate him to get information out of the political prisoner and but the hate that the warden and the you know the the police uh, detective have for him they just keep yelling you know basically homophobic stuff at him and so that metaphorical connection between you know literal political oppression and then oppression through you know just being who you are not like not being against the government was really well uh created 
and he uh, and he used them too. He they wanted they wanted to use him, but he ended up using them by getting the uh, much healthier food to the to them to, and, and getting groceries every week, and yep. uh, and he was able to kind of manipulate the situation to the to the point where he actually. Uh, for his services, he gets paroled early uh, and gets out of prison uh, based off what they perceive as his useful information, which was actually yep. really nothing. Yeah. And so I, so that, that story, so when we're talking about what I mentioned in the beginning about films that are based on plays, I mean, this actually isn't, but I mean, you know, the first uh, 30, 40 minutes, we're in a jail cell, basically. And there's this conversation happening between these two characters. And then to distract him from all his pain and his suffering, he tells them these stories that he, these films that he remembers that are essentially Nazi propaganda films. Like actually that's, as you said, it's actually, they're quite beautiful. And they're actually, it's weird because they're Nazi. I mean, they're not literally Nazi. I, I read that it was based on three different films. One was an Otto Preminger film uh, and one was a Nazi propaganda film. There was a third one. And they, they, they conflated them. It's a, it's a, it's a love story between as somebody that's part of the French resistance, falling in love with the you know Gestapo guy, and you know how are these things possible? And of course, that's sort of a B movie idea. And and so, but the way uh, you know William Hurt's character describes the passion and and the way he you know the beautiful light. Of course, this is films that are based in the 30s and 40s with all the you know beautiful lights that you know are so uh, you know transfixing from from those days. You know the you know, the, the close-up soft focus on uh, characters. And, he, and the way he describes it, and then while he's describing it, we actually go see it. And Sonia Braga is the a character in many of these films. And there's one also called, where she plays a spider woman. And and so those are beautifully connected. And and then we, of course, see Sonia Braga later as his, his girlfriend, his literal girlfriend. So she plays multiple parts, but of course it's all metaphorical. The movie is actually very thoughtful. It makes you think about things. I thought it was a little bit dated. I thought it was a little bit slow at times. I mean, it's a lot better than Runaway Train. There's no comparison between those those films. Um, I just wondered there was some issues I thought with the. the it, it, to me, it seemed like a play, and it was it. And then the end, the end I thought was a little bit forced, but not to say that it's not. The metaphorical stuff's great, and the acting is really good. I, I saw it when it came out and I remember it. I remember it more powerfully. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they did, they did say it was recut and there was a lot of problems in, in post-production and even getting the distribution agreements and, and the showings uh, you know, when they wanted to show it at, at, at con, they, that was not uh, accepted. They said, you, you've got to tighten it up. You've got to change it. There's too much of that film in the film thing you gotta so they had to that was the most difficult part was you know mixing the two blending the film within a film with the real film was a real struggle for them in post-production and also they ran out of time they it that that film was literally given to Khan in two parts there was the film and then they had to do the soundtrack because they couldn't make the final processing in time to get the film shown and so they they were working on this thing all the way up to the last minute uh, and it and it kind of and I think that it, that is reflected a little bit in what you're saying about how it ends. Um, I think that you know there's a little bit of a forced artificial sense of this had to end. Uh, yeah. They ran out of time, kind of vibe to it, and you know they went with an easy ending, and um, uh, and and that's reflected. But I thought you know there's a lot of layers. It it was well done, and I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. 
and I hadn't seen it before. And another interesting thing is uh, Sonia Braga, she didn't speak English. The, she had to learn her lines phonetically because at the time she speaks English now, but at the time she didn't speak English. And so I think that was, you, I didn't even know that. You couldn't, I couldn't tell that from the acting in the film. So overall though, I liked the film. I thought it was a strong film. And, um, you know, when we're, when we're looking at these two films together, there's, you know. I, I will make two connections. One is, as I said in the beginning, really hard to find these films. Like, I mean, so you, like if you just search, you know, uh, Kiss the Spider Woman, you can't find anywhere and then but you gotta be very specific and eventually like the first version that we you found and you shared with me was a terrible version and then there's another one and you have to really dig for it runaway trains really i just eventually bought the dvd so films from this year are impossible to find prissy honor impossible cocoon etc the other connection i'll make william hart you know, is a good actor he there's a lot of stuff about him being a bit of a jerk in his you know real life his career so he yeah. He was married, or not married, but in a relationship with Marley Matley, and she was a stepwoman, and she was in the film, I think a year or two before, or maybe after, uh, Children of Lesser God, which is a beautiful film. And he, so she eventually left, the, he, he let, she left the relationship because he was abusive. And, you know, he attacked her, he's like, how do you, how does it feel for the first time ever in a film and winning the act, best actor when all these other people, you know, work so hard. So he was a bit of a jerk. And then John Voight, uh, anyone want to, you know, Google him, John Voight, you know, Trump video, you'll see his crazy thing that he said last, uh, I guess, December or November about Biden stealing election, et cetera. So he's, uh, they're, they're both loons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know about, I mean, I don't know what William Hurt's story is now. I mean, that was 50, yeah, he's, 35 well, he's, years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking their politics, their politics are not the same, but they're, they have uh, intense stuff in their in their back. Hey, yeah, I mean, I think with that catalog, you know, there's crazy that's going to come up. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Yep. You know, that, I think that you look at anybody with those kind of those those kind of uh, careers, something comes up. You know, it's just they're too they're yeah. too much in the limelight. Anyway, so we are. I think we're going to be wrapping up our night our nominees series that best picture nominee series, and I think you know, we're both in an agreement that we, I think we're going to move forward with some other, some other themes and uh, we don't know what they are yet, but we'll let you know when we know. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for listening to cinema around the corner with uh, myself and Don, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Mm-hmm.